You're listening to episode number four of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. Today, our special guest is Dr. Erin Kraft Otterbacher. Erin just received her Doctor of Nursing Practice specializing in family practice. Erin is a remarkable young woman and leader. Today, we are going to talk with Erin about her recent work around the polarity of needs of caregivers and needs of care recipients. You won't want to miss this, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We're so grateful you've joined us today. I'm Tracy. And I'm Michelle. We've been interprofessional partners in healthcare for over 30 years. During that time, we've been engaged in healthcare transformation and the development of healthy healing work cultures that result in the best places to give and receive care. We've engaged with healthcare leaders from across North America, and we are tired of seeing time, money, and resources wasted on change efforts that are not sustainable. In this podcast, we explore significant, reoccurring, and competing challenges faced by all healthcare leaders today using a brand new lens called polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare. You could say we represent the money ball of healthcare. We're here to expand your current thinking and challenge your reliance on problem-solving tactics. This is Tracy. And this is Michelle. We're very excited about our guest today, Erin Kraft Otterbacher. And I have to tell you, I feel like I was destined to know this woman, Tracy. I have known her parents for years. And um, I think she was probably in high school when I first met them. And then she went on to nursing school. She graduated in 2014 from Grand Valley State University's uh, Kirchhoff College of Nursing, where I graduated. And then she has continued on in her career. She uh, went on to Arizona State University, where she recently got her doctorate as a family nurse practitioner. She is such an amazing young woman, isn't she? Yes, she is. She blows my socks off every time I hear her. Oh, my God. She <laughs> is probably one of the wisest young people I know, and I, I, I agree with you. Like She just amazes me what comes out of her mouth and the wisdom that she has uh, you know, at her age is just phenomenal. And we actually got introduced to her um, by a, a leader at one of the organizations where she actually just finished her research for her DMP. And that was like in 2017. And then uh, last year, she was actually participated in the Polarity Thinking Institute at Grand Valley State University and was one of the participants for our three-day uh, course there. And we had a chance to be with her face-to-face and yes. just you know experience her incredible energy and wisdom. And... Um, and then she um, actually is one of our founding members for our Polarity Thinkers in Healthcare membership. And so we've been excited to have her in our membership and to engage with her. And, uh, and we really had such a lovely time talking with her. And she's um, during our time with her, she shared uh, a little bit about her history with Polarity Thinking. And she kind of has a unique situation, which we'll let you learn about as you listen to the podcast uh, and how she got exposed to Polarity Thinking. Um, but she's a Polarity Thinker through and through. And uh, so she's going to share with you a little bit about her journey in nursing and through her DNP and a little bit about her research. And in the course of doing her research, a polarity uh, kind of uh, evolved, right? She became aware of this polarity that was present in her research. And it really is a polarity around caregiver needs and care recipient needs, which 
is a huge polarity, huge. right, in, in the country. And I don't know, you know, I'm a part of the sandwich generation, right, taking care of kids, taking care of parents. And and you can really relate to being in that situation as a caregiver and, and many of us as a care recipient, right, and having people care for us. So it's something that I think is universal truth for people that if you haven't experienced it, you will. And you will get a lot out of this conversation with Aaron. So with no further ado, let's, uh, let's move on to our conversation with Aaron. Aaron, it is so exciting to be with you today. Thank you so much for being on Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. You're going to be an awesome guest today, and we can't wait to have a conversation with you. And what an exciting time in your life right now, like major transition, just finished a doctoral program, and uh, we're catching you in an exciting gap in your life right now, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. Exciting is one word for it. It depends where I'm at. It's, it alternates between exciting and terrifying. Um. <laughs> well, there's probably, a, there's probably a sense of relief in there too, to be done with that doctoral program. Yeah. The, the absence of guilt when I'm doing non-academic things is very apparent. You know, it's no longer like the papers looming over me. It feels slightly surreal. I don't think it's really sunk in yet, but I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be part of what you're doing here. Um, you know, you're such mentors and role models and I just, I'm very eager to be part of this discussion and, and talk about polarities with two of, two of my favorite people this morning. So this is great. Very excited to be here. So thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. We're very excited to have you. Hey, before we get started, um, I know you have something on your calendar and just, uh, you know, like, I don't know, probably, I won't say everybody, but a lot of people would love to be doing what you're about to do, which is to backpack across Europe. So do you want to share just a little bit about what made you decide to do that? And what's that looking like for you? Oh, I'm so excited. I would love to share. We could spend the whole podcast talking about that, but, <laughs> but we won't. We won't. Um, I am very, very fortunate in that I have decided and have the resources to take this opportunity to backpack for two and a half months across Europe. Um, I've been, it's something I've wanted to do since I was um, little. I grew up in Europe and knew about the Eurail Pass. And as soon as I heard about the Eurail Pass, it became a life goal. Um, so I wanted to do it when I graduated from high school, do a backpacking trip through Europe. My parents said, no, 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 you're way too young. And then I wanted to do it when I graduated from undergrad and um, the I was fortunate enough to have a residency program at Mayo Clinic with a set start date, so it didn't work then. And so now I am at this transition period, and I am um, penniless, but I have a degree, and it seems like the time to do it. So I am I'm taking off in just a couple weeks. Here I'm going to be um, starting in Paris, and then doing London, Ireland. Uh, southern France, northern Italy, uh, Croatia, Greece, Albania, Slovenia, all over. <laughs> and I have the URL pass, so who knows what else might might appear. I might go to Turkey on a whim or, or whatever. So I feel incredibly fortunate to have this opportunity. It's the ultimate um, decompression post-grad post school and, and before working. And 
while while the loans are hanging hanging over my head, I figured now's the time to do it because not most jobs give you two and a half months to adventure. All right. Uh, I'm just okay. So uh, so I have to know as a as a fellow grad uh, student, um, was this like your motivation to keep going with your degree? Like, was this your, this is my celebration. This is what I'm headed towards. Yes. For the last year, year and a half, it certainly was. There were bank accounts opened and, um, you know, spare pennies put in and, and yes, the plan. And even right now, you know, as I'm in this kind of strange interim where I'm doing physical labor, which is a real relief actually from doing mental labor. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the carrot. It's the carrot at the end of the stick as I'm painting houses and um, you know, cutting down trees and so such. It's the it's the ultimate light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel. Getting to Europe, getting to Europe is a constant mental mantra. <laughs> Well, we're so proud of you, Erin, for so many different reasons, you know, just graduating with your DNP and, you know, and now just being so brave and courageous and, you know, just going for this. I'm just so excited for you. Yeah, we are. And we can't wait to hear about your trip. And you'll have to even tell us how we can maybe follow you along the way on social media or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll have to come up with some some type of method for that. But. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get started about your sto- your journey in healthcare and your journey with polarities, Erin. And why don't we just go back to, you know, how you got started with a career in nursing? What led you there? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was thinking about this and um, I would love to say that I had dreams of being a nurse ever since I was a little kid, but that is not the case. Um, I did have a very sick father when I was young, um, my dad had serious heart problems. He's doing fine now, but I spent a lot of time in the hospital as a kid and the nurses always were, were ever present and kind and, um, just a warm guiding force there. Uh, so I imagine that probably impacted me, but that it, it wasn't an immediate dream. It wasn't really until I got to the end of high school where I started thinking, um, what do, what do I want to do? And I want, I love people. I want to care for people and I want to serve people. And the, the nursing path really seemed like the right model for me for a lot of reasons for it helps balance the work life polarity in nursing because there's so much flexibility. There's so much, many job opportunities. And also I think when we look at the health and the well being of people, Nursing does a really good job of appreciating and caring for the whole person, um, which is something that I'm really passionate about, that therapeutic relationship and holistic care. And I I saw that in nursing and I felt that connection and was fortunate enough to go to Grand Valley um, and attend their amazing nursing program. And then the, the doctoral journey just really felt like a next step for me. I had the opportunity to work at Mayo Clinic um, for a number of years, but I was always a systems thinker um, and the upstream determinants of health was something that I was really interested in. Um, Policy, prevention, um, outpatient type. I saw these people who were really, really sick, but I wanted to help them before they got there. Um, And it just seemed like being a nurse practitioner and going back for that was 
a place of more leverage where I could have greater influence um, on my patients earlier in the process. Um, okay, Erin, so let's talk polarities because <laughs> there's something kind of unique about you and your story. And, you know, your father's best friend is Dr. Barry Johnson, right? Well, who we call the father of polarity thinking and who's been actually a guest on our podcast. And, you know, he's kind of your pseudo grandfather. And uh, how lucky are you, young lady? So lucky. So lucky for so many things. <laughs> oh, and he, well, besides the fact that he's like, you know, the father of clarity thinking, he's just such a wonderful human being. <laughs> just to have him yeah. in your life is a gift, right? He radiates warmth. He yeah. radiates warmth. Him and, and Grandma Dana are grounding and radiant forces in my life. Um, and, and polarities, you're right, have been ever present compliments of him. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just kind of curious, when did you really become aware of polarity thinking and polarities and the significance of them? Since you've kind of been around it for a long, long time, when did it really occur to you, wow, this is something I need to use in my life? Yeah, I would say polarity thinking is so much uh, a mind frame and a way of viewing the world. Like you guys joke with your missing logic glasses, you know, how it changes, changes your perspective. So on some levels, I don't think there was an aha moment because it's a way of seeing things. And that comes out in discussion and, uh, you know, around, around the kitchen table and at dinner. So I think that the way Barry sees things is uh, very present in my upbringing, um, because it's also similar to the way my dad sees things. So it was always a challenge to, you know, consider the other side or think about this. And that, that challenge to think beyond the pole or the perspective that you're used to was ever present. Um, polarity thinking in the tool of the polarity map, I, there was definitely some times where I can remember specifically asking grandpa, well, what are, you know, what are you working on? What are these books you're writing all the time? Can you tell me a little bit about them? And hearing, hearing uh, what he was doing and about the tools he was using. But then at Grand Valley, there's the Bonnie Wazoric Center. Um, and Evelyn Klingman came and spoke to my, to my class. And it was kind of like, a, Oh, I know her. Like, this is, this is my grandpa they're talking about. It's like, you know, nudging my friend in nursing class. And, um, but the application of polarity thinking in the healthcare context really started to develop, I think at that point. And I was privileged enough to see Bonnie, um, speak and start to think about polarity thinking in, in the realm of healthcare. And how blessed are we that you are so grounded in this awareness of polarity at a very young age and um, just starting, I mean, you've been in healthcare, but you're really launching the next phase of your career. And of course, you know, Tracy and I started Missing Logic and the, you know, and the podcast to help spread awareness. So I just, I get so excited to think about your knowledge base, where you're at. And we know that healthcare needs a lot more people like you, Erin, that are aware of it and are committed to living it. And so it's so exciting for us to, to learn from you as well. We're kind of moving together in the journey, aren't we? Yeah, we're both we are. moving through next stages and growing together. It is very exciting to be part of 
your process as you guys move through this and and to be able to be part of the conversation. It's been, yeah. it's been wonderful. So let's go back to your um, your research work that you did as part of your doctoral work. Um, tell us a little bit about your study that you did and why you picked it. And we just are really interested in, in that uh, part of your journey. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have used polarity thinking as part of my dissertation and doctoral work. Um, but I'll just kind of set the frame and tell you a little bit about, about my doctoral project. Um, I did my project at a PACE program, which stands for Program of All-Inclusive Care for the Elderly. If you're not familiar with that model of care, I would encourage you to look it up because it is growing and really kind of cutting edge. It addresses a lot of things that traditional healthcare is not um, not great at addressing. So the Program of All-Inclusive Care of the Elderly is a multidisciplinary participant-centered program with the goal of helping people age in place. So nursing home eligible patients enroll in the program, and then the program gets a set reimbursement from Medicaid and Medicare monthly to provide all the services for the patient. So that includes um, different types of therapy, occupational therapy, uh, physical therapy, speech therapy. They have a fully functional clinic. They have a day center where people come um, once a day to five days a week to get respite care while their caregivers are at work. Um, they also provide home health services. And so this, this is a really interesting way of um, addressing some of the problems in healthcare. And I was fortunate enough to do a clinical rotation here, absolutely fell in love with the model of care and met with the clinical director and said, I would love to do my doctoral work here. What are some changes going on in the organization? What are some concerns that you have? And one of the trends that we saw was a higher rate of institutionalization among our participants than other paces nationally. So as the PACE program, once a participant is enrolled in our program, if they're transitioned to a higher level of care, so a skilled nursing facility or an assisted living facility, upon enrollment, um, we have to pay for that. So it's very costly for the organization, and it also goes against the mission of the organization, which is to help people age in place and at home. Um, so it was about 11% of our operating funds monthly were going towards maintaining these placements. And we had about a 20% enrollment um, of our participants who were in who were institutionalized, whether that be assisted or skilled nursing facility, as opposed to the national average among cases, which was closer to 15%. There was a real area for growth there, and it was um, detracting from our ability to provide other services. So we sort of did a root cause analysis and said, you know, what is, what's causing this? Why are people being institutionalized? And there was a very strong take home that caregiver burden was was the breakdown that was happening. And as this model, the goal is to keep people at home. So the caregivers play an essential role. Um, you know, we provide day services to our participants and support services, but the caregivers are the cornerstone to maintaining that home placement. So when that caregiver um, is experiencing burden and their ability to continue to care for their loved one is broken down, that results in institutionalization. Um, so as an organization, we wanted to learn more about this, but we didn't have any 
standardized objective caregiver assessments of burden that we were doing on a routine basis. We do have a social work team. We would talk to our caregivers. Different members of the team would talk to the caregivers. You know, the medical team would talk to the caregivers. But it was all very subjective. And um, because of that, there are some stoic sufferers, um, you know, who kind of wait till the last minute. As caregivers, we feel like this is what we're meant to do. We're supposed to be able to do it on our own. And we feel guilty asking for help. Um, so a lot of people kind of wait till they get to their breaking point And then they just say, we can't do it anymore. And at the point that they get there, it's too late. So as an organization, we were curious about what we could do to assess and better understand where they were at um, so we could more proactively address it. And additionally, we were interested in developing some caregiver support services. So we have the respite care, um, but we didn't have any structured caregiver education in place at the organization or any support group both of which have been shown in the evidence to be effective at decreasing caregiver burden and increasing confidence. So that was the goal of the project was like, let's learn more about this. So because of that, we designed the caregiver assessment tool, which asked about caregiver demographics um, and recipient demographics, caregiver burden. There was a standardized uses there at burden interview in there, which is a 12 question questionnaire about burden. And then the last was interest in services. So if we were to provide services in the future, like education and support groups, would you be interested in attending? Um, so we administered that to over 150 caregivers of the organization. Um, it was over 90% of the eligible caregivers, so caregivers of participants who were still living at home. Um, so we got a lot of information and great results. So that was very, very exciting. Um, process to be part of. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And it has to feel so rewarding to to do a study as part of your DNP that really had such impact on an organization and a community, really, when you think about it, Erin, really touched a lot of people in that community. Yeah. So I'm curious, in doing this study and identifying what the needs were, I think what what in talking to you previously, what emerged was a polarity that needed to be balanced in this PACE program and the organization. So tell us a little bit about how you discovered that and the work you've done with um, this polarity um, that resulted from your identification of what some of the challenges were. Yeah. So the polarity became apparent almost immediately um, when that caregiver burden became apparent as a precipitating cause of the placement. And it was the needs of the caregiver and the needs of the participant. And this is closely linked to the, to one of the mother polarities that we think about a lot, which is the self-other polarity. Um, unfortunately, our healthcare system as a whole does not do a spectacular job recognizing the needs of caregivers. Um, only about 16% of caregivers are asked about self-care. Um, and when we know that being a caregiver and experiencing caregiver burden can have a really devastating impact on caregivers, um, that that's not an acceptable number. Uh, so there's a lot of area for growth in, in that. And unfortunately, as with all polls, when you neglect one of them, the other the flip side pole is going to pay eventually, which is what we were seeing at PACE. So our caregivers, because they were experiencing burden, that was affecting their ability to care for the participant. So we were getting to the downside of both those poles. 
And because of that, it was resulting in placement in facilities, which was not the goal of the organization or the goal of the participant or the goal of the caregiver. So it was one of those situations where you kind of see the neglect of one side really having a negative impact on the ability to achieve the higher goal of the organization. Yeah. And, you know, um, so basically the caregivers were sitting in that downside, right. And experiencing all those negative uh, consequences of not having support for them, right. Not taking care of themselves. So they were, you know, experiencing some of that and then not being able to provide that support then led to a decline also, right. On the recipient side, so it, it, they're so connected, right? The interdependency between the two and one impacting the other, um, it's just so significant. I think this is something a lot of people can relate to as well. Uh, you know, this is around the PACE program, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I know just it for myself, right? And being a caregiver of my parents when they were ill, right? And just, you know, I think that in the being a part of the sandwich generation right now, I think there's a lot of people who can relate to this polarity. Yeah, this polarity, I mean, exactly like you said, Tracy, this polarity is universal. And you're not going to find anybody who has not experienced caregiving in some way or another. Um, You know, whether it's caring for their children, or caring for a spouse, or caring for a sibling, or caring for an aging parent, and sometimes doing all of them at once. Um, This is universal, which is why I think this polarity is so important. Um, And we know it has a huge impact on health. And it has a really big impact on the sustainability of our healthcare system because we are facing a ballooning aging population. And the role of our caregivers is absolutely essential. I mean, the AARP, um, the Alzheimer's Association have put out multiple reports about the value of caregivers. The economic value is estimated, you know, upwards of $260 billion annually um, is the, the role that our caregivers play. So it's not only individual and resonates for each person on on a personal level, it's also really important to our economic um, health as a country. With a country that spends nearly 20% of our GDP on healthcare expenditures, that's not sustainable. And that can really stands to increase as people age. So we really need to address that as a society and the health and the wellness of our caregivers is such an essential part of that. And you don't really see in this country um, this being the role of caregivers being recognized and valued in the way it is in some other countries. You know, we think about maternity leave or um, paternity leave is not is not traditionally valued. Um, also, family medical leave is not traditionally valued. It's it's the regulations regarding requirements for that are slim to none. Um, So it's the downside of the individual hardworking productivity emphasis, which is so important in this country and and wonderful. It's not, you know, it's a typical polarity where it's not, you know, we can't villainize the other side. So it's, it's, that is very important, but we need to recognize the role and the value of our caregivers to sustain individual health and to sustain systems health. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, there is. <laughs> and, and I'm just so glad you started, right, the conversation. So I think this is just such important work. So, you know, we kind of have a sense of um, 
a little bit about what was being experienced in the, by the caregivers. But so let's talk a little bit about the positive attributes, you know, because one of the things about understanding polarities, right, is that both poles, um, you know, the, in the interdependent pair have positive attributes and there's positive outcomes when we do give them the attention that they need and we have things or systems or processes in place to support them. So what did you uncover, Erin, around the positive outcomes of the, you know, of the caregiver supporting the caregiver and having the support for the recipient of care? What, what, yeah. what did that look like? Yeah. So I, I'll talk about it, you know, on the PACE model, because that's where I did my work and, and I'm most familiar with. But this applies in pretty much any environment. Um, so I think that when we're successfully leveraging the needs of the caregiver, very simply, it looks like decreased burden. So that that is kind of that number one indicator that we would see, which we can measure objectively or subjectively. Subjectively, that looks like um, caregivers feeling empowered, caregivers thriving as caregivers. So feeling like they can provide care for their loved one. Caregiving can be a really empowering and positive experience. It can be a time of growth and deeper connection and healing between um, caregivers and their loved ones. So when the caregiver feels supported and when their needs are met, we, we see that happening. Um, and consequently, that kind of leads to the upside of, of the care recipient's needs being met, higher quality care, needs being met, um, sort of like anticipatory care so that we're having less reactive care, less ED visits, less using on-call services. Um, providing that team-based individualized care is done more successfully when we have a caregiver who is empowered and engaged. Um, so that's what the, you know, the upside, if we're leveraging this poll well, is the healthy and happy caregiver and a healthy and happy recipient of care. Um, and, and, it being an empowering experience for both, for both sides. Great, Erin. And we know because all polarities work the same, that if we are not maintaining the upsides of both of these poles, then if we overemphasize either, you know, one way or the other on the caregiver or the recipient's needs that we're going to go into the downside of a poll. And we know that you did your, you know, your study at a local PACE organization, but we think that your study has, like you said, universal implications. And um, what, um, what are some of the things that can show up with over-focusing on either of these um, polls and um, how can we really leverage the polarity? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's kind of two questions about what the consequences of overemphasizing and then how to leverage. So the consequences of overemphasizing are pretty predictable when you stop and, and think about it. Um, but most of the time we don't stop and think about it, which is the beauty of the polarity map, because it helps us really stop and think about it and put it in writing. And and then it all becomes very predictable and very apparent when, when we're able to use that tool. So what we see is that when we overemphasize on the needs of the caregiver, um, the care recipient could suffer. And what I mean by that is if self-care is the priority at the expense of caring for the caregiver or caring for the care recipient. Um, so basic needs not being met, 
um, and then the ultimate decline of the, the care recipient. However, if we overemphasize the needs of the care recipient at the expense of the caregiver, we're surprisingly going to see essentially the same result. Um, the care needs of the, of the care recipient are ultimately not going to be met because when you're a burdened caregiver, when you're burned out, when you're exhausted, when you're when you're not sleeping, when you're not eating, when your emotional health is not intact, when you don't feel supported, when you don't feel empowered, you are going to withdraw from providing care because you're not physically able to do it and because that's a protective mechanism. So the downsides are surprisingly similar to neglecting either one. You ultimately get to the to the needs of the care the care recipient not being not being met. Um, and you can also have illness on the side of um, the caregiver, which is un unfortunately a very common phenomenon, um, an underappreciated phenomenon. So um, what we also know about polarities, right, is we need to take action and we need to have simultaneous actions. Mm -hmm. That's what helps to get the best of both poles, right, to get those positive outcomes on a consistent basis and to lead towards that greater purpose uh, for, you know, uh, managing both. The reason why we even want to pay attention to this, right, is to get to that that greater purpose. Um, so what did you uncover in regards to some action steps that could be taken uh, to strengthen the caregiver and then the care recipient uh, outcomes? Yeah. So I'm going to start on a macro level and move to a micro level. So on a macro level, I think societally speaking, we just need to have a greater recognition of the role of caregivers, um, the importance of caregivers, and then we need to back policies that provide compassionate care to those caregivers um, and recognize that they're essential to meeting the needs of the care recipient. So that's FMLA. That is, you know, economic incentive. Um, to provide care. Um, and also, this just a cultural recognition of the importance. And, and that just comes from, you know, AARP is doing the caregiver initiative. You'll see billboards as you're driving down the highway. I'm not sure if you guys have seen them, but the change in roles, um, having those resources, those support groups, making this part of the discussion. Um, on a more micro level, in our medical facilities, we as providers need to recognize the importance of this. It needs to be part of the discussion that we have with every single patient, not just the care recipients, but the caregivers as well. Um, we need to, to ask them about what they're doing for self-care, what they need to feel empowered. We need to design our medical systems to have supports for caregivers in place because that comes from recognizing that they play an essential role. Um, we need to reimburse providers for providing that type of care. Um, you know, that goes to the, the, the logistics of the ICD codes, um, incentivizing the development of support groups, community outreach, structured caregiver education. All of these are initiatives that we can take um, on, a, on a policy and at the healthcare level to make sure that our caregivers are supported um, and therefore our care recipients are better supported. All of this is is happening while we're not cutting the services that are currently available to care recipients. 
So that's part of the leveraging the care recipient pool. We generally do, I think, a pretty good job of providing that holistic care. We need to keep that up, make sure we're supporting it. This is not at the expense of that. This is to bolster that. Um, and on the on the most micro level, you know, individually, and I think this comes as a result of a culture shift, is caregivers need to feel permission to express their needs. And we need to create a space where that's safe and where self-care is not seen as something to feel guilty about or something that we shouldn't need. Self-care is really a way to serve the care recipient. And um, that shift needs to happen individually. Uh, but I think it occurs after a larger societal shift surrounding the dialogue. Um, Self-care needs to be seen as part of what we do to care for our loved ones. Because it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Anybody who's cared for an ailing parent or a toddler knows that this is a long run. So you sleeping, you eating, you having time to spend with your friends, um, your well-being is very, very interdependent with that of the person you're caring for. And when you start to let that slip, you are in some hot water. Um, and it, and it, doesn't, it doesn't look good. And, and ultimately, it doesn't look good for the recipient. Um, you know, it results in decreased care for them. So it's not a selfish act. Um, it's, it's an essential action. Well, I think, too, I think what strikes me is just... Um, you know, having people who are in this situation, right, that are in the caregiver role, um, just having the awareness, right? Because there's so many people in those roles experiencing this today, and they they don't understand the dynamic. And so leveraging a thinking like this, right, and the, the you know, Barry talks about how polarities and the map is a wisdom organizer, and the wisdom sits within the individual, and in this case, maybe within the individual and the family, and to just know and be able to look at your experience of, of this through a lens like this with a tool like this to help you know what to expect, right? To understand this is never going to go away to your point, right? Like this is a long-term, this is a marathon here when you're in this role. And um, as long as you have a recipient to care for, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you're going to have and be at risk Mm -hmm. uh, for both of you to slide into this downside, to get into that vicious cycle, a downward spiral. And just to be aware of this and to be able to course correct and to know what can I put in place to help me and what do we put in place to make sure the recipient is getting what they need. And I mean, just to leverage this, how, how powerful that could be for so many people that just don't know this and don't, don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. What's striking me is how this can really evolve uh, traditional care planning processes, right? Where we, you know, and really putting the polarity map on a plan of care for a family in this situation could be so powerful. And then what I love about the, you know, the wisdom organizer that you brought up, Tracy, is it really every it's a it's universal in its concept, like most polarities, but it's very individualized for each family, each patient. And that is what can make it so powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and and for me, being part of 
the Missing Logic membership has been really helpful through this process to explore this polarity because it's allowed me the opportunity to discuss um, and brainstorm with other people who kind of understand the framework and think that way. Um, this is such a helpful tool, the Wisdom Organizer, the polarity map, is, is a helpful tool for people who are visual um, but also just for people who feel like they don't have permission to provide care for themselves. And I think when we put it on this map and we can kind of show people, you know, if you neglect your care, it's going to result in coming to the downside of the, the needs of the care recipient. So as somebody who loves and cares and is trying to act um, selflessly, that gives us permission to do whatever feeds and nourishes us and rejuvenates us so that we can continue on that journey um, for care. And I think having having a visual, having a plan, having action steps, which just like you said, Michelle, is very individualized. I mean, that is, you know, one person, for one person that's sitting and reading a book, for another person that's running five miles a day. For, you know, it just, it really varies on, on who the caregiver is. Um, and then the outcomes of, of what good care looks like for the care recipient is very individualized, too, um, because that's based on the desires of the care recipient. And it's based on the disease process of the care recipient. So it's a wonderful tool, um, and it's, it's a good perspective to ensure that we provide quality care. Well, I think the other thing, too, um, which is always so valuable are those early warning signs, right? Mm-hmm. And how, right, the patient or the recipient of care, as well as the caregiver, right, just tapping the whole, what, whatever that community is, if it's family or whatever, or if it's just two people, right? Like, what are my signs? <laughs> how do you know when I'm sliding into this downside? I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not doing the things that help keep me strong, empower me, right? Help me thrive in this role as a caregiver. What does that look like? And, you know, sometimes you don't recognize it in yourself, but other people do. And uh, and the same thing, like, you know, with the recipient, when the overfocus is on the recipient, there's those downsides and there's signs of that happening, right? So in both ways, um, I think those early warning signs are just critical and can be so helpful to families and individuals to recognize when they're getting into that, that net, those negative consequences that they want to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. And the power of having those on paper, you know, having the discussion and putting it on paper and putting it on your refrigerator. <laughs> so yeah. this is one thing that we can hold each other accountable for and recognize early. And, and the, you know, the downsides of what we see when the needs of the caregiver are neglected are some, to some extent individualized, but to some extent they're very predictable. Um, you know, we see the withdrawal, we see, um, you know, the emotionality, whether that's irritability, crying, um, Eventually, if somebody is becoming so worn down, they become somewhat numb, they become less effective, they're not sleeping well, they're not eating well, they're not cognitively functioning as well, missing appointments, um, not able to provide care. Eventually, that's what happens. The, the care recipient's um, care quality really decreases. Um, but on the flip side, we cannot neglect the needs of the care recipient either because if, if we don't 
continue to support those, then their needs are also not met and they don't receive self, um, you know, good, um, safe, quality healthcare. So they, we need to make sure that we're, that we're continuing to meet the needs of the caregiver or the, or the care recipient while we address the needs of the caregiver. Well, when you were thinking through this polarity, you know, we always, there's always that greater purpose and there's a deeper fear. What was it that occurred to you was that greater purpose and the reason for managing this particular polarity in, in your study? I know this is unique too. So in the context of the PACE model, we had a pretty specific greater purpose, which aligns with our mission of uh, keeping participants at home, allowing them to age in place um, and be active members in the community as long as they can be. So that would be avoiding that institutionalization. Um, that's in the context of PACE. But overall, if this polarity is leveraged well, you are going to have a happier, more fulfilled, um, and a greater sense of well-being among the caregiver and the care recipient. That's really what, what this looks like when we're, when we're doing a good job um, and the deeper fear is, you know, placement and the suffering of health, um, whether that's emotional health, physical health. Um, we know that all of those can be impacted if we neglect to leverage um, this polarity successfully. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think what's great is that, you know, oftentimes you know, we want to, um, we're caring for these individuals, right? The recipients as we want them to have the highest quality of life for as long as they can. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's, but you know, what this brings out is it's the highest quality of life for all, for everybody, not just for the recipient. Um, and yeah. so it's that it's the whole here that that's what this brings forth. So, so significant. What wonderful work, Erin. It is. And I have to tell you, Erin, while you're backpacking across Europe, I want you to think about how you're going to get your research and this polarity in front of AARP. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Podcast. They, they, use it. <laughs> they talk about it all the time. They're already deep in this polarity. They just don't realize it. So we need to give them the tool. That's right. That's but right. We'll have to collaborate on that. Maybe get Absolutely. somebody from AARP and we'll do a follow-up um, podcast with them and you. That would be really yeah, great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, and the National Pace Association. So I have submitted for publication at the National Pace Association to present at their conference. So still waiting to hear back. But, you know, this is definitely something that is so critical, especially to the model of care that they're that they're working with, striving for. Well, this is just phenomenal work. And, uh, and, and I know that you're going to continue to do phenomenal work. And, um, you know, I know that, you know, you're, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you're now in a transition phase, right? And, uh, and really looking for your next place and where you're going to land to actually practice and bring your brilliance uh, to the world. Can I bring you to my interviews, Tracy? Oh, you bet. <laughs> you bet. I will sing your praises all day long, honey. You're awesome. Um, I just, you know, I, 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 I think Michelle and I both just feel so blessed to know you because you are such an up-and-coming, young, energetic, wise 
up and coming leader and healthcare practitioner. And we just want more people like you in the world. And we want to know more people like you. We know they're out there. We'd love to know them too, but we're just, you know, we're your biggest advocate. So thank you. Yeah. And I, and so I know you're moving on. And um, so how do you, how are you leveraging your knowledge around polarities as you move out into the world uh, and are you looking for your next place? I mean, I'm sure you're interviewing and, you know, just doing your due diligence around where's the right place for me. So how, how is polarity thinking impacting that? Oh, my goodness. It is so apparent. And once you start thinking of polarities, as you guys know, they're everywhere. Just, there's no taking the glasses off once you put them on. You see them <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and they are so abundant. Always, but I think especially during big life transitions. Um, for me, as a potential em- employee, when I'm talking to places, a really important part that I actually just come out and ask during the interview is, what does your organization do to help your employees leverage the work-life balance? And that is a super important question that ties to many um, mother polarities, the self-other, the recruitment retention, um, the needs of the staff, and the needs of the patient. So that's a really great intro question that I think is is empowering and, and gives some insight into the organization. If they don't have a good answer to that question, adios. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're not aware of this, if you don't realize the importance of the health of your caregivers on the care that they can provide and on the health of your organization, ultimately, then, um, you know, then you've got some some areas for improvement in your organization. Uh, another polarity that I just think is so important during any times of transition, but also it relates to caregiving is the accepting and progressing polarity. And there are certain things in this world that we cannot change. There are certain things that we do not know. And we should never beat ourselves up over that. We're only one person. We only have one brain. We only get 24 hours in a day. Um, But accepting that, but also progressing to grow, um, to provide the best care to your loved one. You know, accepting the diagnosis that you cannot change, accepting the stressors that you cannot change as a caregiver, but also um, feeling empowered to address the things that you can change. Um, And I feel that very individually right now because as a new practitioner, and I think this is a universal experience, you feel somewhat like you know nothing. (laughs) So accepting the limitations of your own knowledge but using that as a launching pad for progressing. And it makes me think of that serenity prayer. So God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that's such, you know, that that prayer just encapsulates that polarity so perfectly. That's so present in my life. I'm sure so present in your guys' life as you're moving through this next exciting stage of creating this podcast, of doing, you know, creating an organization and being so brave to do that and put yourself out um, and ever pushing yourself to progress and to move forward, but also not berating yourself um, and, and allowing space for acceptance on your own limitations as a human being. So that's my, you know, kind of my closing note. The may, may everyone go forth 
and find acceptance in progressing and do it actively. <laughs> here, with here. A polarity here. Map. With a polarity map. <laughs> Yeah, with your mystic logic lens, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, that's a, that's our kind of part of our mission, right? Accept polarities exist. Become a part of the movement. Let's progress this. Let's get it out there. Let's make people aware. Let's start using this lens to look at these chronic challenges, significant challenges such as caregiver needs and recipient needs and managing that. And so that's right in alignment with what we believe. So here, here. Yes, yes. We talk about that polarity quite often, <laughs> both in healthcare and in starting a new business, right? It's, it, it lives in all places. Yeah. Like most good polarities, you can see it from the macro level, although it's way down to the micro level. So. That's exactly right. Well, Erin, thank you so much. I have to tell you, one of my key takeaways in um, listening to your interview is uh, the word that keeps coming to me is wisdom. And, and I'll tell you why. Uh, we talked about the map being a wisdom organizer, but as Trace and I shared, we recently interviewed Dr. Barry Johnson, your grandfather, and, and his wisdom is just remarkable. And But what gives me such hope is to hear the wisdom from you, uh, someone that's really, really in the beginning phases. I mean, I know you've been in healthcare for a while, but to have that wisdom, it, such wisdom, we all can have this wisdom. It's available for all of us. And that if we all share it, um, then onward with the mission. Yeah. I, you know, I think the other, the thing that struck me when you started out, when we started the interview and you said, you know, I don't think there was an aha moment. This is just how I think, right? This is how I grew up learning to think, learning to see things through this lens. And I thought, oh my gosh, if if everybody had that, right? And so, you know, we're, most of us are in the either or poll, right? We're taught make choices, right? It's either this or it's that, solve this problem. Um, and what a gift that was to you to be indoctrinated as a polarity thinker, to grow up as a polarity thinker. And our, one of our missions, right, is to make this mainstream in health, in healthcare, at least in our corner of the world of healthcare, right? Um, and to have people innately think this way. And uh, I think it's just what a gift for you to have grown up that way and not to have to undo or to try to compliment, right? Not necessarily undo, but compliment your problem solving. You've got them both and you've just been doing that your whole life. And that's yeah. just, it's been a, it's I'm been envious. a privilege for sure. But I think the membership, I mean, and this links to really what you guys are doing is that having the opportunity to discuss and to grow in this area. I don't care. You know, if you're if you're me and you've had the opportunity to have these conversations over the dinner table, or if you don't know polarities at all and you have no experience with polarities, being part of a group where people are thinking this way, trying to shift the angle of their mind, using tools like the polarity map. I mean, I'm very familiar with polarities. I underutilize polarity map, but being in a group is a great way to be held accountable and to start producing those deliverables and to practice that. So I really think that this is an important tool in our toolbox as healthcare providers. We so need this, you know, that pendulum effect could really, really benefit from what you guys are doing and from helping to create a team, you know, of people who, who are capable of thinking this way and helping, helping leverage strength this way. So kudos to you guys. Absolutely mentors. It's been a privilege to be on here. 
Um, and I'm, I'm just very excited for, for this podcast, for the podcast future, the Missing Logic podcast. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Erin. And we wish you the best on your backpacking adventure. And you'll have to let us know how that's going. And maybe we can update our, uh, our listeners along the way. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Thank you, Erin. Thanks, Erin. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in today. If you found our conversation insightful or helpful, please share this episode with others you think might benefit. Also, go out to iTunes and rate the show and share a review because we really like those positive ones. Wink, wink. You can access today's show notes and downloads at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you want to learn more about polarities in healthcare or how you might manage them in your organization, you can contact us for a free consultation. Just go to our website at www.missinglogic.com.